This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When I was in seventh grade is when I got my own turntable for the first time. And the first record that I played on my turntable, the first song was Ties That Bind. The first album was The River. everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me today, we will be on the Bruce train, but we'll also be going off a little bit because today I have a writer, producer, father, husband, podcast host, and someone who has been involved creatively in music really his whole life. Brian Kaufman, welcome to Set Lusting Bruce. Hey man, I'm I'm so happy to be here, and um, I really appreciated uh, how intensely you uh, expressed your desire to have this conversation. And so, you know, I'm I'm convalescing with COVID right now, and so I, I have to isolate away from my yes. wife. And uh, I was like, I could do this today because I could I could give Jesse the time because. Otherwise, uh, I'd just be sitting here, you know, maybe doing something productive for myself. But and I'm I'm really thrilled, and I I you know I love talking about Bruce. It's um, I was actually all morning just sitting around playing Bruce songs on my guitar. So uh, it's a perfect thing. Well, that is great. I you had mentioned, and I will ask you the Mary question again. But you know, you were very kind enough that when you were on your podcast, you asked for questions, and I'd sent that in, and you answered and gave one of the best answers ever so i'm gonna tease what was that my to answer my then audience. what was my what was my well i'm not then? gonna spoil it because it may be just because i don't want to taint you i you know uh you have a great answer so you can think about that while we're talking we always like to start at the beginning brian talk to me oh, growing up what kind of music i'm sure that my answer i'm sure my answer ties into tom jode uh yeah that's <laughs> what i really believe because yeah. that is what i believe oh very um, nice i'm happy to answer that later yeah, yeah. Gr- growing uh, up what kind of music w- well, I grew up in a household that was really an, an intense music household. You know, my father, uh, my dad's 82 um, and still doing great. He was a record producer and um, a music publisher. And so I grew up, music was really a part of our lives. You know, uh, songwriters is what he loved and, and what I loved too. Uh, I was... By, by middle school, I was a, a heavy metal fan mostly because it was the only way that music could be some sort of a rebellion or my own thing in my house because my dad made pop and rock music. But I will tell you uh, that when I was in seventh grade is when I got my own turntable for the first time. And the first record that I played on my turntable the first song was ties that bind the first album was the river and because it was the newest bruce album i was born in 1966 so uh i was 13 in 79 and 80s when i got this uh 80s when i got this turntable and i remember taking the river out getting that record and, and playing it i would wake up in the morning and uh i would put it on and then get back in bed and and listen to that a lot of mornings before getting up to go to school. Wow. Did you, were you able to go to the, the river tour when he redid this, you know, just a few years ago where he, were you busy making creative stuff or, or did you get to go see him live in any of those shows where he did the river in full? I mean, I've, I've seen Bruce live certainly more than 10 times, yeah, but not in the last 15 years, I don't think. Oh, um, interesting. And, uh, well, be, it's been 
I spent so much of my life going to concerts. I miss them so much now, but you know, the last six years, seven years, I've really been grinding on work and, and my wife and I had a very deep connection to Bruce and his music. She's someone from Jersey. She would leave messages in his mailbox and in, in Rumson when, when she was growing up and the two of us would go to shows together and, 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 I'll say that something, some, there was something about, we got married in 1992 and we went to that whole run of shows together with Shane Fontaine. And something about that made me not wanna go see Bruce for a while. I love Bruce, he's one of my all time favorite artists. I mean. Uh, I've gotten to know, you know, I had a dinner with him once and I speak to Mr. Landau from time to time. And I'm at, you know, I, uh, I know every word to every Bruce song, but I, I hated that band. And, um, it more than that, I felt like it broke some sort of an, a deal with us and, um, it hurt. And, uh, it probably just took me a minute to get back into being ready to go like I don't actually think I've seen Bruce with the reconstituted E Street Band. I, I must have once, though I don't remember. But I used to go see Bruce in the E Street Band. I mean, all the time from my senior year in high school, um, which was '84 until '92. That's when I must have seen twelve shows. I think that's interesting. I've had a couple of people on this show, and I talk about the dark years, right? Like, because I was a casual fan. I um, I grew up in Louisiana. My dad was in the army. We moved around a lot. I didn't move to Dallas till 84. So there's no way Bruce was coming to Lake Charles, Louisiana. Just life got in the way. And I did not see my first show to 2002. Um, right. So I, he was in my life, but not the way it is now. So that whole firing the E Street band and then reunion is just didn't affect me but i've had so many people talk about that dark period how well those albums listen lucky town's a great album yes and there are great songs on human touch uh and i've watched all the documentaries over and over again and and uh but and and you know there's something about danny being dead and clarence it it's it's a lot like i invested so much in the bands that i care about yeah and there's no band you care about more in certain ways than the E Street Band. And um, oh, I saw, of course, I saw Bruce. I saw the Broadway show, but right. it wasn't with the E Street Band. So Amy and right. I went, and we Chris, we cried the whole time. The two of us were just <laughs> yes. crying the whole time in person on Broadway, and yeah. it was in, in, incredible. Um, and so that to me counts as seeing Bruce, but it's not seeing Bruce with the exactly. E Street Band. Yes, you know, so it's a slightly different thing. Yeah, man. It, you know, it started like, I'll say, even on the Tunnel of Love tour, when instead of saying, I'm a prisoner of rock and roll, Bruce started saying, I'm a prisoner of that love thing. Yeah. That was, that for me was not, now I was young, right? Bruce is 15 years older than I am. So he was at a different place in his life. But I remember feeling, well, that's not why I'm coming here. Yes, I'm coming here to celebrate the sacrament that rock and roll is this this other kind of love. And when he started saying I'm a prisoner of this love thing, I remember a sinking feeling in, in my stomach, which was he's on an artistic journey. I respect that. But it's not exactly the thing for which I signed up. Now, I've, I've grown up and my opinion has shifted. And, um, you know, there's no Bruce album. I don't think that I Bruce never made a bad album. He's never even made an album that's like less than great. Yeah. I listen to all those records. Um, I probably listen to uh, Human Touch less than any of the others. I listen to Lucky Town, though. I mean, Lucky Town has just great songs on it. Better um, Days is my favorite song. Yeah. I mean, Better Days is spectacular and Lucky yeah. Town's spectacular, yeah. you know. Um, and which one is one step up on? I think, think, yeah, I think you're right, Lucky Town. Yeah, I think so. That's another great song. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the live experience for me, I will go like if they ever tour again, I mean, I'm so hungry for it. Oh, and you know, I've, I've, 
I've gotten to know Stevie and I, I like Stevie a great deal and, and we're friendly with each other. And so the idea of going now and seeing little Steven play with them and um, I'm, I'm ready to go do that and kind of like lose it uh, in, in the, in the audience. You know, I, I have to jump ahead. I think that interview you had with little Steven on your podcast was one of the best interviews I've ever heard because he was so real and and since then he's done his autobiography and he's talked about it this a lot but that was the first time I remember him sharing the the road not taken oh yeah man when he started talking about being on that airplane uh, and it's in the autobiography it's incredible in the memoir yeah but he told it beautifully on the podcast I agree he's going to come on I think in two weeks we're going to go do another pod together and and, uh Cause I read the, I love the memoir. It's just spectacular, oh, me too. you know? And, um, and his, the life he's lived and the choices he's made as an artist are, you know, I admire the hell out of them. And, and, uh, and he's, he's willing to talk about the disappointments along the way, you know? I mean, another thing he said on my podcast was the thing about, you know, Bruce plays to a hundred thousand in the same place I'll play to a thousand. Is it really a hundred times better than me? And, uh, I've thought about that question a lot. He mentions it in the autobiography too. And, mm-hmm. uh, I plan to talk to him about that, actually. Yeah, because I know, for me, if a member of the E Street Band is coming to Dallas, Texas, I'm going. In fact, I'm I'm a little sad that Jake has never come far this south. But, you know, I, I attended Little Steven. I've done Neil shows when they're here. Um, because, you know, the sum is greater than the parts. But it's still, I want to see their music. I appreciate them. Yeah, me too. I, I completely get that. Though it's not the same yeah. thing as the because the myth, I mean, what what yes, what what little what I'll talk to little Stephen about and what I think he's he's so aware of the myth, but but it's what is created by Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band and that audience together. That's 100 times greater. That's its own thing. That's not replicable without all those elements there. And that's why it was missing in the band with Shane Fontaine, not to target Shane, but he was, I just remember, you know, he's who replaced uh, Nils and and Steven. And it was just like, this makes no sense to me, you know. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. I, the other thing I, 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 I was thinking about, right, is that um, that as we're recording this just recently on Twitter, um, Ted Nugent kind of said a bad thing about Bruce, but at the same time was complimenting the E Street Band, you know, and I was like, even when you are trying to be discouraging, you can't diminish that band. And I, and I believe that it isn't that you have a mediocre songwriter surrounded by a major band. It is, they all are amazing artists. And is Bruce talked about on the showtime, one plus one equals three combined. They are better than themselves individually. That's true. And also Bruce is one of the greatest songwriters who ever lived and storytellers and performers and band leaders, you know, and uh, I saw Ted Nugent when I was 14 and I walked out two songs in at at 14, 15 years old at the Nassau Coliseum. I looked at my two buddies and like, you know, going to a concert was such a big deal. I mean, you had to save and you also had to like really arrange a lot of stuff to go. Your parents had to drive you. You didn't have a cell phone to call. And we, it hurt our ears and we were just like, this sucks. And we left. So fuck Ted Nugent, man. (laughs) Very nice. I did want to go back to, uh, watching him on Broadway, your perception as a fan and as a very gifted storyteller in yourself, did you have, is, can you separate the two and kind of explain to me the little difference of that? Or was it just pure fandom for you watching? I mean, you're just swept up in the story. You know, I'd read the, yeah. I'd read Bruce's book before. Yeah. So I knew a bunch of the stories. I mean, I've, I've read, and I'd also read books about Bruce and all yeah. that stuff. Um, I'm, a, you know, I'm a very big reader. Uh, no, man, the whole time I was just with my wife and, you know, as people for whom Bruce's music has meant so much and trying to understand that he was laying himself bare for us there. He was, he was, he was separating the myth from the human being yes. while celebrating the myth. And he was talking, he was showing us why the myth was so important, why the story yes. is so important. And he was preparing us for his own death. And uh, it was a very heavy, heavy, heavy night uh, at a theater for us. Yeah, um, I think Letter to You is a lot about that, too, where he is discussing it, it at, at any age, but especially when you get over 50, or in my case, I'm 62, the road in front of you is shorter than the road behind you. That isn't being morbid. That is just stating the fact. And I think he's embraced that. And I believe that uh, during that river tour, like in 2016, the band played so well together because I think they did realize, I don't know how many more times we're going to be able to do this and we should enjoy this experience. Yeah. I mean, I think for sure letters to you, letter to you is I've watched that documentary three times and I just keep watching it for the little moments, man, you know, the little looks between Steve and Gary, um, the little, you know, watching Landau's expressions when he's in the room and trying to understand how and why Bruce came to the decision to make an album about that stuff at this time. Yeah. You know, there is a scene and and it's very clear. Little Steven has talked often about him being Silvio. Was it not a stretch for him because of his relationship with Bruce and being on The Sopranos? But there is a scene in that where I go, oh my gosh, 
that is so Silvio talking to Tony Soprano that when he's talking about Bruce about, hey, why don't we try this and what do we do that? Well, yeah, yeah. and then Bruce, then he goes, oh, that's very important. It's very important. <laughs> yes. When Bruce is like, the riff only comes one time. And he goes, yeah. ah, it's very important. Very good yeah. to know. And he's telling everybody else kind of with the way he's looking at them. 100%. Yeah. He's the consigliere, man. Yeah, it is just amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I'm i going to turn, first off, I, I'm loving Billions. I, 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 I was you. there for the beginning. I'm excited about this new season. Um, one of my favorite shows was Friday Night Lights. And the they take the Dylan Panthers and make them the bad guy, you know, in the third season and change this all around. You have taken an iconic lead for other reasons he's left. And now then you've kind of almost made it this a new show in this new season. That's got to be fun for you. Yeah. I look at, it's incredible to get to work with this cast and yeah. my fellow writers and, and, uh, and to have an audience that cares so much about the world that we've created and um, that exists first in our imaginations before it exists anywhere else. Yeah. I don't really think about it. And I bet you that the Friday Night Lights people didn't either. I don't, I don't really think about it in, 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 in terms of like moves, you know, yeah. I'm thinking about it in terms of these characters and what they would do. And what matters to them and what I'm interested in pursuing thematically and story-wise. And, uh, you know, I've been at this a long time with my partner, Dave. And, and uh, so from the outside, I pay attention. I'm aware of what people think and the way that yeah. they react. But I'm, all that stuff's kind of turned off when I'm, doing it when I'm writing it I'm just writing it man I'm just letting it yeah. go I'm, I'm just trying to entertain Dave and he's trying to entertain me that is there is nothing wrong with that I love that idea I will often if you do a solo podcast I do a couple of um, group podcasts and I joke often you know the whole point of the podcast is for me to make my co-host laugh like yeah. if I do that, it's a good episode, whether my audience liked it or not, right? What are your other podcasts about? So I do a uh, Doctor Who podcast uh, where we talk about that. And then I do a, um, and my guys are very jealous. I do a how many podcasts. which is just an excuse for my friends and I to get together. And what we do is we pick a pop culture topic and then we say how many of them were good. Like, okay here's queen's top 50 songs how many of them would you call good oh, that's you know fun. and we debate and they're all big poker players and uh when we originally had exchanged they were like oh my god we could just do a whole episode on rounders <laughs> uh because they're huge though i think personally tilt is my favorite uh story you've told about gambling that is i'm a huge awesome. Lawrence Block fan. I, got, I got no problem with tilt man i mean yeah. that's great great to hear Lawrence Block is one of my favorite uh, writers. I, I I I believe you've interviewed him. He's I mean been, he's my close he's my close friend. I love him. Yeah. Oh, I love that man. You know I know Brian. I I, I have to tell the story. I, I love the story so much because I think it talks so much about writing. He was at a he was a bookstore here in Dallas. Yeah. And recently the Matthew Scudder book, um, Elaine had told Matt you know, I love you no matter what is going on. And so I raised my hand and I said, do you think Elaine knows that Matt is cheating on her? And is that why he's telling her? And he goes, I think she knows, or she, I think she knows that a man, there's probably something, but she just wants to tell him that their love, he's where she needs to be. And I went, I love that. He's not saying yes or no. He's saying, I think the character knows, even though he's the writer of the show. Well, he doesn't want to take it away from, from you, I yeah. think. And yeah, I've, inter I've interviewed Larry on the podcast. He's a, a gigantic creative hero of mine. I first met him when I was in my late 20s, I think. Yeah. He's my dad's age. And I, I, I really, really cherish the time that I get to 
talk to him and, and spend with him. And, and uh, he's, he's one of my favorite human beings and he's a genius. Uh, his Matt Scudder series, I agree with you. His Matt Scudder series required reading. I think, uh, I think yeah. those, that, those books are, you know, they're the most human private eye books because this character ages. Matt yes. Scudder is Lawrence Block's age. And yes. so you, you go the whole way. I got to write the introduction to one uh, collection of Matt Scudder stories, which is one of, for me, the, oh. the, the great things I've ever gotten to do. I, I love that. Yeah, I, I love Bernie the Burglar books and everything, but I, I, I gave myself the gift of three or four years ago of rereading all the books, you know, just one in a row and just was amazed at how a world he built. And so what's your favorite of the books? That is hard to say. Now, if you ask me, my favorite series is Hitman. I think that you like the the Keller series. I love the Keller. I just love the idea that you end up pulling for a killer, you know, and uh, and this the book where he ends up settling in new orleans and creating a new life is just amazing to me yeah yeah uh Uh, long line of dead men that's my favorite that's what i i I was just going to say the same thing if i had to push it down i think a long line of dead men is just such great storytelling and such humanity absolutely yeah such humanity yeah 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 just such good um okay um bruce uh what do you have favorite albums do you have favorite you know, memories of shows that you want to share? Sure, yes. You know, for a long time, Nebraska was my favorite Bruce album. It was one of the two albums that got me through my sophomore year of college. I had a really bad sophomore year of college. And uh, I had this Jeep CJ7 that the heat was busted and it was Boston cold winter and I would drive I was at Tufts and I had a buddy who was at BU and we'd meet in the middle of Cambridge at this all-night coffee coffee shop hamburger place and uh so many nights I would drive back freezing cold in this car and the, the wind and the snow just whipping around and I had two cassettes in the car and and they they didn't even have their cases and one was um fables of the reconstruction by rem and the other was nebraska and there were so many nights when i would take long ass road trips and just play nebraska over and over again as i would drive like from boston to new york or from boston to visit a friend in connecticut and uh and i still think it might be the masterpiece you know it's uh I mean, even the way Stephen writes about it in his book, I, I couldn't argue with that, that it's this complete and completely unified voice. And that Bruce gave so much humanity to these characters on the edges of society. Uh, and it was a way that Bruce could talk to really directly about his father in a way that was different than in a song like factory, you know, it was just, uh, he, he was able to talk about the, the personal pain of, of a song like used cars and song like, uh, mansion on the hill. You know, he was able to really talk about that, that stuff while at the same time talking about the criminal justice system, uh, and talking about familial bonds, and the ways in which they're stretched and pushed. Um, And so that album remains crucial to me. And obviously, you know, when Bruce allowed us to use Atlantic City and Billions, it was an absolute highlight of my professional life. Uh, You know, it was so mind blowing to me that we got to do that. And that was before I'd I'd met him. And uh, we heard he was gonna read the scene at the time, we didn't know he liked the show. Then when I, when I met him and I found that he was a big fan of the show, it, it, it was very hard for me to process and really a mind-boggling thing. Um, and then lately, though, I have found myself listening to Darkness a lot and then 
listening to live albums that have a heavy amount of songs from darkness. Yes. Uh, you know, but, but I could go through a period and I have where the rising is something I'm listening to all the time. And, uh, and you know, born to run is one of the 10 greatest albums ever made. So right. it, it, it switches around a lot. You know, the songs on born in the USA are as good as any could be. Ton of love is this mature record. And, you know, even magic is a great album and, and letter to, you know, the, the last record is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's so consistent and so consistently great and so consistently reaching as high as he can and reaching as deep uh, as he can that it, it, it all remains so inspiring to me as, a, as an artist. Well, like I thought of you like so much of Billion's the early season or so was tied to 9-11, right? And I thought of that with the the rising and how um, it is it is universal among us Springsteen fans, but especially about people who are living in that part of the world during that event. I think it speaks to all of us, but especially to that demographic. Sure. I mean, look, the story of you know, the, the, the person saying we need your boss to Bruce yeah. and Bruce realizing it is just so great. And, and, and look, the rise, you know, I was thinking about this because uh, you and I are, are old enough to remember when tattoo you came out and mm -hmm. like, start me up. A lot of people at the time were like, ah, one song on the record's good, but it's not like the pro now 30 years later, everyone understands start me up. is one of the greatest Rolling Stones songs. Right. And uh, and the rising is one of the greatest Bruce Springsteen songs. Yeah. And uh, it, but at the time, you know, it's like, yes, this album's great and it's really important and all that stuff. But 20 years later, the rising is one of the greatest Bruce Springsteen songs. And what an incredible thing to do that far along into your career. Yeah. Um, just a I always find this interesting and partly this is because when I my first show is 2002 so the rising is the only song he's played every time I've seen him I've seen him like 17 sure. times and that just it works out because of the timeline uh just an amazing sh song that has been used in a lot of different ways um do you were talking about his creativity and and I do not mean this as a criticism because my other musical hero is Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. I just think him is amazing. But his latest CD is Brian playing the piano. It is brilliant in a lot of ways. It's just him at a piano playing Beach Boy songs. You know, Bruce's latest album is a whole collection of songs, some of them a couple that he brought back. But, you know, he's pushing the envelope he is working creatively you know and brian for whatever reasons is doing something that i i love as a consumer but i would not say it's pushing any new creative boundaries not that he has to do that so any thoughts on you already mentioned well, a little bruce bit bruce is always i mean look bruce has always tried to like i say reach deep and 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 i we sort of ignored or i didn't bring up greetings and yeah uh, e Street. I mean, those are also like just yeah. albums I go back to all the time. You know, yeah. That's the thing about about Bruce's library. Yeah. At this point, it kind of has to offer whatever you need to access wherever you happen to be in living out your life, yeah. and so. Over pandemic, I've got much better at guitar. I'm still not good, but I, you know, was playing growing up. I, uh, the lick to growing up and I was playing that a couple of days ago, singing it and playing it around my house. And like, I was like, wow, man, you know, what a fucking song that is. Yeah. And, uh, and that was, you know, him, him as a kid, I'm glad he brought those two songs back for a letter to you, by the way, yeah. I had those bootlegs. I and mean, that's the thing. Cause I've been into this so long. 
Like you came right. into Bruce in 2000. I was a fan from when I was, you know. Yeah, exactly. 13. And I lived in New York, so I could take the train into the city and go to these bootleg record shops. And I mean, I had tons of Springsteen bootlegs. And so I had those John Hammond recordings. I mean, I, mm -hmm. uh, if I was a, I heard if I was a priest, these early versions, and I will say it was a song I didn't really get when I was a kid. And now it's one of my very favorite Springsteen yes. songs. And, uh, and a, I'm so glad that he gave it this new life now, I even though, even though in terms of its meter and flow, it's very different than the other songs on the album. I don't care. I'm so happy to hear yeah. it. man. I just love it. And I, I agree. It is so nice and I can't wait that hopefully in 2023, we're going to get a tour and hopefully they're going to do some of those. It's going to be great. Um, do, do you, I, I'm sure you have the same concerns we all do about disappointment that they're not touring, but understanding, right? Because I imagine you guys are fighting a constant battle trying to fill when oh, yeah. you were filming not, I, I have no sense of like, I don't want them to go out on the road until they can go out and be healthy. Yeah, and exactly. Like I'll go. It's a hundred percent that I'm there when they're, especially now that I'm, I'm vaxxed and boosted and I have COVID. So Yay, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, yes. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I can't wait. I'll go to many, you know, I'll go to multiple shows and yeah. And it'll be different, you know, different now in a certain way for me yeah. in that, uh, I've gotten to know Steve and I know, you know, Mr. Yeah. Landau and, and so it'll, and I've spent a little bit of time with, with Bruce and, and, uh, but I just cannot wait to be in Madison square garden. I just can't wait. Yeah. I, I, I'm right there with you. Um, I want to talk a little bit of the podcast before we, um, and I don't want to take too much of your time. I love every time you have someone, but there is something, and maybe it's because of your roots in uh, being involved in the music industry, your father. But like when you talk to Jason Isbell, when you talk to Roseanne Cash, I just found it incredibly insightful. I, um, I, I have a, I have a man crush on Jason Isbell. I just think this guy is an amazing storyteller and seems to be a good dude. Uh, Roseanne Cash, she was on the country and Western with Ken Burns. And I just went, I, I want to go to dinner with her and just have her tell me stories. So just kind of general talk about the podcast. Why did you decide to do it? And maybe give some highlights of what are some of your favorite discussions? Oh, I love Jason. Jason Look, I, I think Jason's the best songwriter under 50 in, in the world. And, and uh, you know, I'll, 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 Bruce and Amy Mann and Bob Dylan are those guys, they're all yeah. over 50. So, and yes, Jason's a beautiful guy. I got to know him in 2013 and he did the podcast, I think the year later, and then he did it when The Last Ragger came out. Um, he and his wife, Amanda, are just awesome. She's a great, great artist. Yes. In her own right. Well, I don't linger on these conversations after I've had them because I'm thinking about what the next thing is and I prepare so hard to do them. Yeah. Uh, so I don't really know. Like I have this, the great thing about it, as you know, is it's uh, an incredible sort of like relationship accelerator because you spend an hour talking to someone, you get to know them. And so it's more like it's, it's great that I, I come away with um, a different sense of that person and they come away with a different sense of me. And then, you know, hopefully our audience gets uh, something transferred to them about the way that people make stuff. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm so incredibly taken with how hard it is to do what, what song, great songwriters do, that economy, and how brave they have to be to do what they do as artists. So yeah, I love talking to musicians and you know, this week I had Mellencamp on and that was really incredible. And it was incredible hearing him talk about how Bruce is like his big brother. Yeah. And that's... John meant a great deal to me my whole life and to get to have him on. But that's really what I'll tell you is I only have people on my pod that I, uh, I have to be completely fascinated by their work or their life or ideally both. And so I'm, I'm able to be super present when I talk to them and I'm able to listen really closely. That's and uh, yeah, it's the best, man. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I feel that when I'm listening to the podcast that it is I'm eavesdropping on two friends, you know, talking and 
you know, when people ask me what my podcast is, and I said, my hope is that most of the time you're going to feel like you're eavesdropping while you're standing in the queue waiting to go to a brew show. Like you're just hearing two fans talking. Oh, that's you know? great. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. And it's everything. Um, I will, we're going to wrap up shortly, but I got a couple of just billionaire billions thoughts that um, one, I think we all wish we had a Wendy in our lives. Uh, I just think sure. that yeah. that character is fascinating how insightful she is while she is a flawed character, but I, I just, yeah, they're I just all flawed. To, they're yeah, all flawed characters. They're all no gray. I mean, is that what you guys wanted to do is to build a, a, because you would think, Oh, here's the guy from the justice department. He's going to wear the white hat and here's the evil billionaire. And that is not the case whatsoever. Well, that's just the world that we looked at. I mean, if I could bring it back to Bruce, you know, please. Uh, you know, it was more than all that that put that gun in my hand. I mean, yeah, the, I mean, or listen to Ohio Patrolman. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, it's really wrong to let his brother drive away. On the other hand, how do you let your, how do you arrest your brother? So. Yeah. People are family. You're just no good. Right. Yeah. People are, but the guy had a duty, you know, Joe Roberts had a duty to the township also. Right. And, uh, and he really did. And, uh, and often people find themselves between two ideals and perhaps both ideals really matter to them. And perhaps those ideals are in conflict. And, that's something that I'm very compelled by. Well, and I, I do think I, I'm, I appreciate you mentioning this because your cast is amazing. I, I, I'm your writing team and, and everyone behind the scenes give them great words and great scenes and great sets. But, you know, they they execute. Yeah, they're amazing. They are just it, it is it just always amazing. And uh, we we love it so much and a real good friend of mine had never watched the show and he texted me saying um billions is my new suits i just love this show so much i'm so glad he likes it yeah i'm so glad i'm so happy i i really like the guy who created suits aaron uh i um i got to spend a little bit of time with him last year and kicking his ass in the tennis court so i I felt good about that billions over suits on the tennis court okay there we go very nice um i i could talk to you all night but i i we i want to keep this short and not overstay my welcome um as we're recording this you have mentioned on twitter that there's a fun cameo coming up on tonight's episode we're recording on the 30th so i'm looking forward to that so oh yeah i mean i'll uh it's already been on twitter i'll I'll tell you if you want well for me it's a great cameo because it's just you wouldn't expect it uh, it's Alex Honnold who's uh, on Free Solo. You ever see the movie Free Solo? Yeah. That incredible mountain climbing. So Alex, yeah. who's the mountain climber. In, oh, in how fun. That, yeah. And I said, what I said was there's a cameo in the show tonight that if you get it, it's going to really, you're really going to love it. And most people won't get it. So <laughs> That's fine. That's what that is. Do you get a lot of people, because you have had an amazing set of cameo people showing up for cameos is that just a blessing because people oh, admire so the show fun. so much oh it's so fun yeah yeah we have a lot of great ones this season too but oh, that's yeah, good it's that's uh, very good it's great great soundtrack i love um just all the characters um i i really can tell you after every episode i will go that's my favorite character oh no that's my favorite character uh and i am I have loved how you've been able to kind of, you don't think of it as resetting, but I do. And David Constable as Wags is just, he's amazing. Yeah, he's the, the greatest man. My, my, you know, he was the best actor at my college. So uh, yeah. I've been a, I've an admirer of Dave Constable for a very, very long time. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. All right. Before I let you go. Yes, Jesse. Get back to playing the guitar. Uh, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area. He recently just uh, retired, has a new book out, Bedtime Stories for the Living. But he would take two days 
and would break apart Thunder Road for his honors English seniors. They would compare it to Robert Frost. They talk about the themes Bruce explores, the, the illusions he has, the language. And at the end of the two days, he would ask the question, does Mary get in the car? Brian, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Yes. She does because I think, but I think Bruce has answered this himself. Okay. Uh, well, because I think that Tom Joad is the answer. You know, All right. uh, I think the more important question is: is uh, I do think Mary gets in the car, but I don't think that the salvation offered to Mary is in the end a salvation that the character was able to offer her. And I think that uh, look on the Born to Run album, there's this idea that you can escape your circumstance through rock and roll, that through uh, this kind of uh, sacrament like we were talking about earlier, you could uh, will yourself out of your circumstance. But Bruce, as he matured, started to realize there were these structural problems. And that so even if you could have a week, a month, a year, uh, you know, look, he starts talking about it on Racing in the Streets, right? Because now my baby's eyes aren't the same as they were. Like if we want to connect these ideas. And then when we get to Ghost of Tom Joad, we get to the highway is alive tonight. No one's kidding anybody about where it goes. And to me, what Bruce is saying is, we are, are responsible for the fact that abandon isn't enough anymore that giving in to uh, that kind of individual freedom, while it is important, crucial for a certain part of your interiority, the world itself has become a place that isn't empathetic enough and the structural systems are not uh, sturdy enough. So yeah, the highway is there but all it can do is return you to yourself. And so to me, that's the more important way to look at it. Is that Very close nice. to how I answered it? Is that close to how I answered it? No, and actually uh, I like this answer better, but when your uh, daughter asked you, you said that you like that there is no answer. You answered that you said that you like the idea that you don't know, and you think the song would be lesser if you knew whether she got in the car or not. Oh, well, as a writer, I like that he doesn't say she got in the car. Yeah. But, uh, but I think that, uh, as I said, I think she gets in the car. Yeah. But I think the end of their thing is a lot like racing in the streets. Yeah. In fact, uh, someone once told me when he answered the question, he said, well, of course she gets in the car because in racing in the street, she talks about, she sits on her daddy's porch. That's the same porch that she danced across. And I went, yeah, I can connect that. Um, my favorite answer. Um, I actually have a couple of favorite answers, but one of them is that moonlight motel is the end of their story that they ended up getting in the car, going to California. And he's yeah. now mourning Mary's death. Um, the true geek answer is that it depends if the band is playing it live, she absolutely gets the car. If it's Bruce solo, Sorry. she doesn't because it's uh, the, the tone is sad. So I've been asked, it. yeah, I've been asked if, 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 would I quit asking the question if I ever got, was lucky enough to have Bruce on the show and asked him the question. And I said, no, because uh, one of my favorite stories is Isaac Asimov in his autobiography talked about someone, a, a reader in an audience said, that isn't what the story's about. And Isaac said, I wrote the story. What makes you think, you know, of course it is, that's the answer. And the reader supposedly said, just because you wrote it, why do you think you know that? And Asimov yeah. said, you're right. And uh, and so I think just because that's what Bruce thinks is not necessarily what we is right. You put it out there. Uh, I may have a thought, you know, uh, you know, where our characters are going to go. But we well, something happens right? in the relationship. Yes, it, it however lives for you. Yeah, is completely valid for yeah. sure. Absolutely. 
Brian, anything you want to promote before I let you go? No, nah, man, this has been great. I mean, people can watch the shows and, okay. and, and uh, listen to the podcast and find me on Twitter at Brian Koppelman. All right, listeners, you go get vaccinated, go get boosted. We want to get back to normal. Please be good to each other because that's the only way we're going to do this. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, listeners. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Thanks, Jesse. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlessingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter at setlessingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Brew shirts as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.